Welcome to Self-Styled Life, the podcast designed to support professional women to aim high in their careers and create lives that are way beyond just fine. I'm Janelle Wiesack, a certified life and style coach. I also happen to have 30 years experience and counting in the corporate world. I've learned a thing or two over the years and today I support my clients to create tailor-made self-styled lives which they do using my signature framework that intentionally combines clarity, mindset and action. In these episodes I'll be sharing the concepts, tools and techniques to help you get clear and confident about the career and life you want, dance with your self-doubt and take the next step towards your dreams and goals. These same approaches have supported my clients to create incredible change in their lives My clients have tapped into their strengths, built their self-belief, and learned to live life their way. And now, it's your turn. You deserve more than a life that's fine. You deserve true fulfillment and days that feel fabulous. You deserve your very own self-styled life. Hello, hello, fabulous humans, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Styled Life Podcast with me, your host, Janelle Wiesack. I hope that things are simply awesome in your world. I started planning out this particular episode as I was on a mini break a few hours outside of Melbourne, which is where we live in Victoria, Australia. And as I'm recording this today, I'm reflecting on how creative I can be when I give myself a change of scenery. Even though Scotty and I had a really busy schedule and we were traveling with friends, I still had stacks of ideas, many of which I even managed to write down, which is a wonder in itself. But it's also an excellent reminder for all of us that our creativity can thrive when we give ourselves new things to look at and to explore. So if you're not feeling particularly creative at the moment, you might want to head off for a day trip or a night or two away and see if that can bring back some of your creative sparkle. Speaking of adding some sparkle, I've been refreshing my coaching offerings. I felt like they needed a bit of early spring cleaning, if you can actually do that in the dead of winter. You can check out the latest over on JanelleWiesack.com. I'd love to support you if you're feeling called to explore the benefits of coaching. Okay, so on to today's episode. And it's a big one. Because you have no idea how often the women I work with tell me they feel like a fraud. Or they'll reference their imposter syndrome. Or they'll be a little less direct with their language and say things like, I was probably the only option. Or I'm not sure why they picked me. Which is just code for saying they feel like a fraud. From my experience, there is one key factor that leads women to feeling like they're a fraud or they feel fraudulent in their career. And that comes from the fact that you haven't yet stepped into a new identity. For the purposes of today's chat, we'll think about that identity as a leader or as someone moving into a more senior role. But this can apply to your world outside work as well. For instance, if you happen to be a newlywed or a new mama, a fledgling entrepreneur, or you've just found yourself with an empty nest, or perhaps you've recently retired... All of these situations require a new identity and the tips on how to move past feeling like a fraud will apply in all of these instances. But like I said today, we'll focus on the work context. And in that work context, when it comes to identity, we actually have a definition to anchor back to. 
Herminia, I hope that's how you say it, Herminia Ibarra from Harvard Business School defines our working identity as how we see ourselves in our professional role, what we convey about ourselves to others, and ultimately how we live our working lives. Quite often, women will get the new job or the promotion before they've taken on the identity of someone who actually has that job. If you go back to the definition, the problem arises because they just don't see themselves yet in that professional role. For me, that's the most important part of the definition when it comes to feeling fraudulent. Until you can see yourself in the role, you'll feel like you shouldn't be there. This situation can happen with any change of role, but I often see it when you get tapped on the shoulder for a role or you're sponsored into a new position. You accept the role, usually taking a big breath and giving yourself a good talking to about the fact of course you can do it, but deep down you're not entirely convinced that you can. It's worth noting that this identity gap can happen to women at any stage in their career. I've seen it occur with senior execs and I know I felt it relatively late in my career. I'd run big teams for years, but when I stepped into my first national role, I struggled for a number of months to reconcile how I felt about myself and the role I felt myself doing. Like the women I now coach, I was sure someone had made a mistake somewhere in selecting me for the job. I also see the phenomenon when a woman gets an unexpected and large pay rise. They're happy to take the cash, don't get me wrong, but they are concerned on some level that they're not worthy of the raise. Either way, they're in the job or they have the cash flowing into their account, but somehow they're still feeling like they're undeserving or unworthy of the situation they find themselves in. They're still back thinking that they need to do a whole lot of things to be deserving or that they need to be, do or have something else to be successful. That something else shows up in so many different ways. It could be that you need to look a particular way. I'm quite sure that this is where power suits were born or that you need to speak in a particular way or present differently to do what you do now, to have the job that you have now, to get the pay that you get now. Regardless of the circumstances, one thing that almost always happens next is that the woman's self-doubt shows up in the form of an inner critic who is super quick to point out all of the reasons they'll never be good enough for the job or for the pay rise, or they'll hear stories like the ones I told myself about the fact that clearly a mistake had been made somewhere. Women can't see how they can possibly live up to the perceptions that others seem to have of them. Everyone else seems to see something in them that they can't see in themselves. Now here's where we have to be particularly careful, team, because this is where the inner critic doubles down by deciding to ask why you're even trying. I've seen these fraudulent feelings completely unravel women around this stage. The need to protect ourselves from the psychological risks of failure and judgment in particular means that the why am I trying question becomes all-consuming. And for some women, the answer of maybe I won't try becomes compelling. In order to avoid the pain that comes with feeling like a fraud, I know women who have stepped aside or even quit their organisations entirely. Alternatively, their doubt and anxiety provide the perfect environment for a self-fulfilling prophecy where the woman's performance suffers as she avoids stepping fully into the role and doing all that's required or she lets others undermine her leadership. Or health issues crop up, meaning that women are sidelined while they rightly attend to their well-being. 
All of these scenarios can obviously be devastating for the women themselves, but also for women in general, because that's how the myth that women aren't cut out for the big jobs, and I'm saying that one in inverted commas, perpetuates. The good news is it doesn't have to be this way. There are tools you can use to bridge the identity gap and lessen those fraudulent feelings. So let's switch gears now and get into some of those tools. The first one is to start gathering evidence that supports the positive story. The story that tells you that you have transferable skills and knowledge, that you've got experience from the past that you can bring forward that points to your previous identity transitions. For example, when you went from being a student to being an employee. The truth is, you've learned and grown in the past and you will do it again. And if you're rolling your eyes about the fact that I've just mentioned gathering evidence for what may well feel like the 43rd thousand time on this podcast, please know I keep talking about it because it works. If you can prove to yourself that you are safe and successful, it's the fastest way to subdue your self-doubt. Being able to look at what you've actually done and know that you've survived gives your brain concrete facts to work with and not stories, maybes or worries. Ultimately, it is the doing that helps you build confidence. Think back to when you learned to drive a car or when you had to pick up a new computer program. At first, you might have felt tentative, anxious, even overwhelmed. But as you did the thing more and more, the easier it became until it was just second nature. And it's not just me who believes this. There's a school of thought, again from Harvard Business School, that we humans don't think our way to a new identity. We act our way into it. It's the doing. And by being in the role, we get to see ourselves doing the work. We get to see ourselves there. And we can create that new identity for ourselves. So take those actions, run those experiments, and step into the new identity that's on offer. Okay, number two. Be patient. It can take time to feel fully comfortable in a new role. No matter how competent or experienced they might be, I always suggest to my clients and my colleagues that they give themselves a full six months to settle into a new role. Similarly for a new identity, it takes time to feel settled and in control. So be patient and resist the urge to quit or step out. I know that feeling like a fraud feels dreadful in your body and that it's no fun to be telling yourself nasty stories all day long. But while stepping out creates some relief, it also comes with a new identity to deal with, that of a quitter or the failure, as an example. And it comes with new shameful or regretful stories full of what-ifs. So remember to be graceful with yourself and to allow yourself as much time as you need. There are no shoulds allowed here. It takes time to build the belief that you deserve to be where you are. So take as much time as you need. Finally, although I'm a big fan of women building their belief in themselves in the long term, there is nothing wrong with borrowing someone else's belief in the short term. Regardless of the situation, there will be someone in your world who believes you deserve to be right where you are and the very last thing you are is actually a fraud. This is especially true in the leadership context where someone has probably appointed or promoted you into the role. Assume that they are clever, that they are not an idiot and that they know what they're doing and borrow their belief in you. If someone else can hold the belief, you can too. And reminding yourself that if others think you've got things covered, then you probably have. 
it's a much, much more empowering place to start from and means that you'll bring on an entirely different energy to the situation. It can be super helpful to actually sit down and ask for feedback straight up on why they appointed you or why they gave you the pay rise or whatever it is that's got you feeling like a fraud. Focus on their perception of your strengths so that you can make sure they remain front and centre in how you show up day to day. Alrighty, there we have it. The number one reason that you most likely think you're a fraud, including all of its subparts, and the three things you can do about it. Before we wrap up, let me remind you of the reason again. You are most likely to be feeling like a fraud because you haven't yet stepped in to a new identity as a leader, entrepreneur, mother, retiree, or whatever, which leads to the fact that you can't see how you live up to the perceptions that others seem to have of you, and that your good old protective self-doubt shows up in the form of an inner critic who is super quick to point out all of the reasons that you'll never be good enough, and then decides to ask you why you're even trying. And once we got clear on this reason, three things you can do to stop feeling like a fraud are... Number one, gather evidence that supports the opposite view, i.e. you're not a fraud. It's through the doing that we build our new identities. Number two, be patient and show yourself some grace as you step into the new identity, build your confidence and dance with that self-doubt of yours. And finally, number three, borrow someone else's belief in you if you can't summon or access your own self-belief. Okay, lovely ones, that's it from me today. Short, sharp coaching episode for you there, but I hope you found it super helpful. I'll be back soon with another episode of Self-Styled Life, but until then, please stay fabulous. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I'd be super grateful if you hit the subscribe button or even took a moment to leave a review. And if you want more support, head to janellewiesack.com and grab the free toolkit especially designed to help you build your self-styled life. I'll be back soon with another episode, which I couldn't deliver without the production skills of Darcy Bruce or the creative support of Jenna from Jenna Lee Biz. But until then, stay fabulous. Mm-hmm.